he was a junior in high school. Is that better? And he told his dad, he said, I, I want somebody to disciple me. And uh, so Mike and I talked about it. He said, I don't want Mike or, or Mark. So we talked about it. I said, oh, I'd like to do it. He said, okay. This kid took notes every lunch, everything we ever did. And, uh, and he wrote it down and he did it. And then he goes away to Ohio Northern to college and he starts discipling guys. And he just, uh, it's an amazing thing. Uh, because he's been really faithful to go after the Lord and uh, become a good friend. So it's good stuff. Um, I, uh, I, I get calibrated when we get together, you know? I don't know how else to say it. There's something that happens, and it's like you get recalibrated. And I love men's meetings anyway, men's worship. You know, there's something about it. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's so good to be together. It really does feel like we... What was it? David Ewer was talking after uh, Brian's talk about that the aspen grove where all the roots are interconnected. It's like the largest living organism in the world or whatever. And that's why I feel like we are. All of our roots are so deep and, and interconnected. Uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff. Um, before I get started, uh, um, Thad has a, uh, uh, a piece that, that I'd like to have him share with us. Um, if we could get a microphone for him. And actually, this is the guy that gets all the credit for Andrew. It's, it's his dad. So, <laughs> yeah, Paul, this is Paul Ryan's dad. <clears throat> I don't know. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, Andrew gave me this book when we were on our plane flight, and we switched um, small books like this. But this is from Bob Mumford, and it's called Christ in Session. And it was written about uh, 40 years ago, as I recall, looking at the date and the copyright. But at one point, it's, he says, um, isn't it strange how we can read a certain portion of the scripture with only one thought in mind? Then, suddenly, new truth is revealed, and we wonder, how could we have been so blind? One such verse that suddenly took on a truth that revolutionized my thinking is Hebrews 10.7. And it says, then said I, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. There was that time when I responded to these words in this way. Lord, I don't come to do my will. I come to do yours. I submit, Lord. But the Lord answered my acknowledgement of submission with these words. Bob, you're reading that verse all wrong. The emphasis here is not on submission but on the verb do. And then, so then said I, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. I did, and what a difference. I came to do. What is a body for but to do something? Wasn't that the purpose for which Jesus came in a physical body? To do the will of the Father. Wow. (laughs) That's good. My goal is to know what Bob knew in the 60s by the time I'm in my 80s. And uh, uh, it's a funny thing. Uh, the, um, these guys came up with this title, you know, in the bathroom, or however that thing came. But uh, let's get on with it, uh, following closely and finishing well. And I immediately uh, got a word. It was, it's real simple. There's two things. Don't quit and don't do anything stupid. <laughs> 
points. So I worked that through a little bit, and I realized, those are my two main points. And then I realized, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> questions? Any questions? <laughs> Comments? <laughs> it's very simple. I, sometimes I feel like that dog that the family left, and, and he was on the East Coast, and he had to go all the way to the West Coast. You wake up in the morning, and you only got one thing to do is, I'm heading west. You know, uh, That's the way my life in God has been. It's like, uh, you get up, and well, I guess I'm going this way. Don't quit. Uh, the, the thing that, that really made that work for me is that I had a time in my life when I did quit and I did do stupid stuff. And God, in his mercy, extracted me from all that, and uh, for which I'm extremely grateful. Um, let's start with John uh, chapter 13. I was up late last night taking everybody's notes and trying to put them in my own words. And uh, so <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you won't really be able to pick out, you know, it should be seamless, you know. <laughs> I was, I was going to do a stick drawing of a tree and have it put up here, but that's going to be a little bit too obvious. So uh, <laughs> it's only plagiarism if you're caught, you know. So. <laughs> It's sad, but true. <laughs> All right. Uh, John chapter 13. And uh, start with verse 36. Um, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, uh, where I go, you can't follow me right now, but you will later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you right now? I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered and said, Will you lay your life down for me? The bad news is, Peter, is that uh, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, and if it weren't so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, Thomas gets a bad rap in the Bible, really, you know. Everybody else that was there when Jesus was resurrected got to see his scars, touch him, do all that. Thomas comes in and he says, I'm not going to believe unless I see his scars. And, and so he gets this name, you know, Doubting Thomas. But I think Thomas is a sharp guy. I mean, he has some great lines in the scripture. Now, this is one of them. Jesus is talking about where he's going. He, <clears throat> Excuse me, Lord. Um, we have no idea where you're going. So, so how do we know the way? You know, another time Thomas says, Jesus said, I'm going back to Jerusalem. He said, he looked at everybody and said, well, we may as well go with him and die. You know, <laughs> he had good lines. He had some really good lines. And, uh, but I think his question in, in, you know, in verse 5 is about as clear a question and an important question as there is. Lord, where are you going? Um, and Jesus was very, very clear. And he said, I am going to the Father. I am going to take you to the Father. So the question comes up, let's get on with it. What is it? 
I think it's, it's pretty simple. I think it's the journey to the Father and to his kingdom. Um, N.T. Wright has a phrase, uh, and I forget where I, uh, what book I mined it out of, but he talks about our inherited spiritual capital. And when I, when I think of this group and I think about the spiritual capital that we inherited, um, it's good. I mean, it is rich. And one of the things, I think one of the core things that, that we have inherited is the concept of the kingdom. That, I, you know, you read all the books out there and you rarely run across somebody who understands the kingdom the way that the, the brothers that have gone before us have passed on to us. The covenant, the kingdom. Um, so he says, where are we going? Well, it's all about the Father and his kingdom. And we inherited a lot of understanding of uh, natural and spiritual fatherhood. Um, masculine spirituality. Um, those are all things that are part of, our, of who we are as, as a people. And I think that's why I feel calibrated when we get back together. And sometimes it's like, you know, Pat puts a song in a key just a little bit higher than my baritone voice, you know, can handle easily. And so you have to stand up and you have to sing higher and sing louder than you normally do, but then you're, you know, you're in with, with everybody else. That's what I feel like happens when we get together. You know, I, I think it's, it's pretty powerful. Let's get on with it. It is the Father and his kingdom. If we get it wrong, then everything else will be in vain. Um, somebody, said, somebody said, what could be worse than giving your life to something and becoming successful at something that doesn't matter? Wow. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing that video game and you've invested hours and days and weeks <laughs> And you finally got to level 999 and you're successful. And it doesn't matter. You know? I, I don't know. It's a hypothetical situation. I'm sure it doesn't apply to anybody here. But you know you're in trouble when the only affirmation you get is when your game says, good job. <laughs> you know? That's bad, guys. I got to tell you. Uh, when, whether you're having a good day or not de depends on your, on your game. I'm that bad with solitaire. You know? I had days when I couldn't even win at solitaire. I said, that's just wrong. If, if a guy can't win at solitaire, how could you win at anything else? It's just it's horrible. <laughs> the journey is relational. And, uh, and I think that's part of our inherited spiritual capital. And it's not only, I mean, it's relational between all of us, but it's that, that our relationship with the Father is the single most important thing in our life. Um, and I, there was a, a big group in, in Columbus, uh, and they brought some guys in, and they had a thing they called the, the Justice Revival or the Justice something. And they were all, you know, everybody got together, and, and, uh, and they were talking about uh, uh, social justice. And one of the speakers stood up and he said, I was all about uh, social justice, but the reason I started following Jesus was because he, I thought he did social justice better than anybody else. And I thought, this doesn't sound right, you know? It really doesn't sound right. It sounds like he's following Jesus because Jesus had the same goal he had. And uh, I don't know. You, know. you look at Scripture and you don't see that, you know? 
Um, but I think what happens is it's easy on either side of the, of the political agenda or, or, or theology agenda, it's easy to, to try to separate the king from his kingdom and have the kingdom without the king. Now, this is deep. And I want you guys that are young, write this down. This may be the most profound thing I say the whole time. <laughs> the kingdom without the king is just dumb. Wait for it. Just wait for it. The kingdom without the king is just dumb. And it doesn't matter what, what we try to do if we do it outside of relationship. It's, it's not the kingdom. The kingdom is very clear. It's very simple. It's, it's, relation. it's a relationship with our father. But we're on a journey to our father, but, but it's to an active father, not to an absentee father. It, it, it amazes me that, that our view of the Father is that he's up on Mount Olympus and he just happens to have the highest chair among all the other gods and he's up there just kind of looking down at us. And sometimes we live like Jesus came and died and went back to heaven and all we have are his memoirs. And they're under debate some, you know, so many times. And I think we have the same view of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came uh, authored the Bible, and then he's just sitting there watching to see how we work it out. God is the father we're coming to is an active father. He's doing stuff. And Jesus saw this all the time. He said, I only do the things I see my father doing. He, he didn't refer to, to, he doesn't see that as past tense. And I think anytime we refer to God in the past tense or the future tense, and not recognize that he's active right now, I, I think we're missing something. Jesus said, my father is still working even now, so I am working. He said, you can't come to me unless my father draws you. He said, my father is out there seeking people to worship him in the spirit. So the father and his kingdom is it, and, and it's active. Uh, Jesus, as he taught us to pray, he said, pray this, father, let your kingdom come. And I was struggling one night, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Don't be afraid, little one. It's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Um, I, I like Hebrews where it says um, that the kingdom is received. Um, one of the distinctions that I've, I've made recently <clears throat> is in a sentence you have a subject and a verb and an object, you know. Um, most of my life, I have been the subject and God has been the object. I love God. I want God. I serve God. And recently, God has been telling me, son, I'm not the object. You're the object. The issue is God loves me. God accepted me. And everything I do has to come out of that. If not, it's just religion. You know, it's just plain old religion. And, you know, Christianity as a religion might be as good as any other, but it won't take you to the Father. And uh, so recognizing that I am the object, that he is the subject. I was listening to a, 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 a podcast, I think, of uh, Charles Simpson. He was talking about the pearl. And his whole approach to the pearl was, we are the pearl. God came, bought the whole field, went all in, 
sold everything he had, laid everything down so he could come and get us. Suddenly, the pearl becomes a whole different thing. You realize that pearls are people, and they don't come shiny, you know. Uh, They come, and and they're rough, and, and they need work. If we walk through our life and thinking we're oriented around the kingdom, we're not oriented around people, we have missed it by a mile. Uh, The people are the pearls. The relationships are the primary things. We shouldn't do anything in our lives that would violate the relationships. Um, I think that's pretty powerful. Um, When when you showed uh, Brian the the tree with the rings, I, I, I just... I would like to get that on a t-shirt, you know, and wear that around because recently the Lord said to me that the wise will see the kingdom coming in iterations. The wise will see the kingdom coming in iterations. Um, you know, if, if, if you look at pictures of your kids, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, each iteration of those kids uh, is true and is real, but it's, you know, it, it's expanding. And you look at the rings of that tree, each iteration was. And one of the reasons that, that I crashed and burned in the, in the 80s was I was so disillusioned. And uh, if you understand the kingdom comes in iterations, I think it really helps you not to be disillusioned. You know, you know that it's going to be, it's going to tweak. Maybe iterations isn't a good word. Maybe we should use version, you know. Uh, Mark Puttick version 57.4.3 is different than Mark Puttick version 56.7.3, you know? But it's, it's still real and, it, and it's still me. And it helps us, I think, to see the kingdom when we're able to see the iterations. Jesus said you can't even see the kingdom unless I birth that, reveal that to you. Uh, he, Peter couldn't understand anything unless... Jesus revealed to him, or Father revealed to him, um, who Jesus was. So it, it's pretty good. Uh, and it is our relationship with the Father and his kingdom. Um, following closely, <clears throat> Jesus made the statement when he was being uh, tortured and tried. He said, I do have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. And uh, he identified the kingdom as spiritual. Um, which is in the spirit. Ern Baxter used to teach that the kingdom of God, out of Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So following closely means that, that we need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. We probably need to get immersed again and again and again. Um, and uh, when Dennis said that the Holy Spirit was the how and not the how-to, I thought, wow. But there's a funny thing. There's a prerequisite to being able to pay attention to the Spirit. And it's called weakness. Weakness. And this is, <laughs> this is my journey so far, right? 57 years. Weakness is not a season. It's a prerequisite. It's a prerequisite. I can't tell you how many times I've been afraid to share something going on with my brothers because I'm just tired of being weak, you know? I want to be through the weak season, you know? I want to be, 
And there's times, I know none of you have ever done this, but I chose being macho over being vulnerable. You know, the guys get together and we're all manly and, you know, we're going after God. And, you know, and I don't tell them that, you know, I'm arguing with my wife, uh, you know, uh, I'm, breast awareness week is every week. And, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, <laughs> And you don't want to say that, you know. <laughs> Hypothetically. <yeah. laughs> I, was, I was in a retreat with Frank Dawson one time. And, uh, <laughs> and there was a bunch of old guys there, you know. They were like in their 50s and I was in my 20s. And uh, they were talking about, you know, talking about men dealing with lust and uh, and one guy said, I don't know what it is. You know, I walk into the room and my eyes immediately find the one woman not wearing a bra. And I said, guys, this is horrible. You aren't giving me any hope. I was hoping that by your age, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have this. And Frank Dawson said, well, why do you think old men get bifogals? <laughs> uh, and now that I'm here, you know, <laughs> I understand. Man, you trade your, your inher our inheritance though is in being weak. And I still have time. I hate to be that guy they pray for every time, you know? Because, you know, you always have that one annoying lady in church. And it's like every time you have prayer, all right, come on up. You know, I remember back in 79, you know, you had eczema and it was horrible. And, and, I, and I don't want to be that lady, you know? <clears throat> I want to be the guy. You know, I want to be that man. And, uh, but the thing that I realize is that weakness is my normal place if I have any hope ever of following the Holy Spirit. Because if I have an agenda, then I'm not going to pay attention to his agenda. You know? Um, I, I do have a word, I think. I like to, anybody that's under the age of 30. I think that what God wants to give you for the rest of your journey in terms of this, you know, lust thing and, and all that, make sure that you're constantly sharing that stuff with the brothers God gave you. Don't get embarrassed because embarrassment is, <laughs> it's hard to be humble when you're embarrassed, you know. Embarrassment is really a part of pride, you know, and... Uh, Accountability groups are great, but guys, I can lie to my accountability guy as easy as anything. If I lied to myself to let me do that, why wouldn't I lie to my pastor? And I usually lied like this. Hey, how's things going? Well, I was in prayer the other night, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit stirred me up about holiness. What I really should have said was, I went on Yahoo and I got a, you know, a, a link and the next thing you know, I'm out in La La Land looking at Breast Awareness Week. You need to make it part of your walk with God. In your, when I grew up, you had to go 30 miles to find a dirty magazine. I, don't ask me how I found that, but I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a long way, you know. And the TV shows had, they wouldn't put a man and woman in bed together. They both had single beds. Um, your generation, holy cow. I mean, uh, it's horrible. I remember Dal Robinson said, in our culture, we train our, our young men to lust early. 
So you're going to need to deal with this. And the important thing is, is I don't care how gifted you are in any area, you got to be vulnerable with those people that you trust. It's, it's huge. Because once that gap starts between what I say and the way I really am, you are heading for a crash. It, it, it will happen. You read the statistics about people involved in pornography and affairs and all that crappy stuff you hear all about. Those things are all down the road where you're going. Yeah, I re- <laughs> uh, Brian taught at our camp and he was talking about, you, you know, you, you, you get to a certain place and you didn't want to get there. And so you go out and you start cussing the road. Darn you road, you brought me to the wrong place. Well, the fact of the matter is, is if you're on the road to Chicago and you stay on it, you're going to end up in Chicago. And if you're on the road to sexual immorality, if you stay on it, you'll get there. Now, I, I need this... I had a hard time being open to my pastors. And I had this thing, and I, I, I had a theory that, that God would mother me. You know, he would nag me and not let me do stuff. And so I started pushing against that and pushing, and I found out that my father is not going to override me if I want to do that. And so I, I let myself get pushed and I pushed myself into arenas of sin that I never thought I'd ever be in. And it was all because I got tired of going to my pastor and saying, <laughs> you know, the Victoria's uh, Secrets catalog came and there are no more secrets. Uh, <laughs> I've seen them all right there in the catalog. Brothers, we, we've got to walk in this. Because if not, Lust in our society is like a plague, and, and we'll be looking out and we'll, we'll say, yeah, he used to be here, but he's not. Yeah, he's not here, but, you know, why? Because they're all casualties. We got to follow Jesus, and, and to do that, we have to walk together. And that's not even in my notes, but I think that's a word for us as, as men. There's a verse in uh, John 8, and Jesus said, that, verse 29, he said, uh, the Father who sent me is with me because um, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Well, the word sent, one of its meanings is insert. The Father who inserted me into this time, space, culture, people, he inserted Jesus into this world. If we're going to follow closely, one of the things is we've got to be able to sit back and say, God gave me these guys to live with. God inserted me into this world with these guys, and it's part of my inheritance. You know, there's nothing sweeter than fellowship. Fellowship first and then fellowship. But God gave us these people to walk with. The second piece of that, though, is that God inserted you into the job, the neighborhood, the civic organization, the baseball team, the hockey team, all those things, God inserted you into where you are right now for the express purpose of infecting that thing with the kingdom. And uh, it's, not, it's not something you do, it's just who you are in the midst. Being yourself, being who you are, walk, the way you follow closely, I think, is you, you love, I think it's very simple. Every day, my goal is to love every person that comes into my world 
in reality. I listen to people I don't want to listen to. I hear stories I don't want to hear. But that's, it's my job. Because the, the, one of the things about following closely, it means following now, not postponing it. You know, I'll, well, as soon as this happens, then I'm going to follow Jesus. No, I mean, because that never happens. So the world we live in, the people we live in, live with, um, those are the, that's what, that's where we are to work in the kingdom. And the kingdom, there's only one law in the kingdom. It's very simple. James calls it the royal law. And, and the word royal and the word kingdom come from the same source. So the only kingdom law is love one another as I've loved you. It's very, very simple. That means your wife. It means your kids. I even think it means my cat. And I, I don't like that cat at all. She's a hussy. She goes out at night and she won't come back in. And, uh, it's just, and I have to deal with her. But... Uh, um, Following closely means that I imitate Jesus in the world that I, that I live in. I, Dallas Willard said something interesting. I thought when he said, uh, um, the issue is not what would Jesus do. The issue is what would Jesus do today if he were me? And yeah, that's a, I think that's a whole different picture. If Jesus were Mark Puttick and he has this job and these friends and these strengths and these weaknesses... What would he do today? And uh, normally it's putting people above things, um, uh, those types of things. I, you know, I don't want to get on that hobby horse, but um, let's go over here. God never calls us to love a category. He called us to love people. Who was it that said, uh, I love mankind, but I can't stand people, you know? If God, sometimes when we're thinking about God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And we'll get words like, go care for the poor. Okay. Do you know any poor people? No. <laughs> I don't know any poor people. We're all middle class. Uh, you know, I don't know any poor people. Well, then I'm going to go down. I'm going to work in the mission because God called me to love this category. And then you get down there and you find out poor people are mean, nasty, hard to get along with. Uh, they're upset. They're, they lie to you. They're drunk. They're, you know, and you say, no, I don't want that. No, God, you, I don't want to do that. He called us to love people, individuals. Um, does that make any sense? I, I think we miss the kingdom when we... Now, some people say, well, God called me to, to care for the Arabs. Well, that's the trajectory but once you get there, you got to love the individual Arabs. And uh, sometimes God gives you people that you're never going to do anything with, but they're just going to rub something out of you that you need rubbed out, you know. And if you marry that person, it's, you know, so <laughs> hypothetically, then uh, uh, <laughs> dig in. He that endures to the end shall be saved. And, uh, my wife has a, just this deep, deep character flaw. She likes people. And, uh, and she likes people so much, she wants them in our home. I like neighbors that you wave to. You know? In the last 37 years, we've had over 50 people live with us, sometimes entire families. 
And she feels like an empty room is simply uh, an invitation for God to send somebody else to live with us. I hate that stuff. You know? When I come home from work, <laughs> when I come home from work, I don't want people in my house. You know? I want to go in my room. I want to shut the door. I want to read my books. And I don't want to be disturbed. And my wife, with this deep flaw, constantly... Right now, I have three 18 and 19-year-old kids living with me. Now, you know, my mother-in-law just went home to be with the Lord, but I had an 87-year-old and three 18 and 19-year-olds. I was confused. You know, I didn't know what to do. And these people, they're watching my TV, and they're eating my food, and, you know, they're parking their car where they're not supposed to. I hate this stuff. And the way I'm responding to God so well with this... Uh, it's probably going to happen a couple more years. <clears throat> There's a path around this mountain, and I've been around it, so I just closed my eyes because I know I'm going to go around it again. It's so bad that there are people in, the, in our community that say, hey, my kid is driving me crazy, and they come live with you. I said, sure. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> what? I can't do anything about it. Just bring them on. Jeez. When, the, when we first got married, you know, we were Jesus freaks. And so we were, you know, we were having Bible studies and people over. And then my brother came back up and he was a hippie and uh, he needed a place to stay. So him and his girlfriend and her son and a pregnant dog came to live with us. <laughs> <laughs> They're upstairs smoking pot and I'm downstairs talking about Jesus. You know, it was like, it was amazing because the, the, the summer I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, 1971, my brother became uh, the biggest drug dealer in Morrow County. So we were both evangelizing. And, uh, <laughs> but he had people knocking on the door in the middle of the night to get weed. Nobody ever knocked on my door in the middle of the night and said, I want Jesus. You know, <laughs> uh, this is just wrong. Uh, people living with you. Yeah, that has nothing to do with being, you know, I want to be a man of God and power. And I want to go to meetings and have people fall down because of the power of God and and all of a sudden, I'm getting this whole tweak in my spirit that says, dude, you got the wrong view of what it means to be a man of God. I learned how to be a man of God from uh, uh, full gospel businessmen's meetings, you know? Guy stood up, every need he ever had, God supplied supernaturally, and everybody prayed for got healed. And I've spent the last 40 years trying to make that. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Well, it's just my thing. Um, um, <laughs> you know, when you get together with a group and you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, the thing you got to find out is whether the people are trespassers or debtors, you know? <laughs> because you, you can't stay in unison if you got trespassers and debtors. And so I was thinking of that the other day, and I was, in, in our little town right by the school, there was a, uh, there was a, a guy that had great apple trees. And he only had one rule, don't come in my yard and get my apples. Well, that's a no-brainer. You know, we, I spent all my years figuring out ways to sneak into his yard and get his apples. I was trespassing. Well, the longer I walk with the Lord in this kingdom thing, I realize what trust, trespass is a great word. Trespass is a relational word. It means that I went in your sphere and I did something that didn't need to be done and shouldn't have been done. Uh, Trespassing is, is an, you think about a community of people that are constantly trespassing in one another's world. 
Do you remember when, uh, maybe your church never went through this, but people read that verse that says, speaking the truth in love, and they're always pretty sure it means me telling you what's wrong with you. You know? I found out that speaking the truth in love is when I am able to tell you the truth about me. Uh, and uh, I, I think that's kind of important. And one of the things, I, I re- we were in a men's meeting when I, when I first met Mike, and we were at Denny's, and he was laying something out, and I'm sitting there thinking, this guy is just manipulating us, you know? And then the longer I sat there, the, the more aggravated I got. So, and I didn't know him real well then. I said, I'd really like to talk to you. And he said, okay. I said, it just seems to me like you're just setting people up here, and you're trying to, you, you know, you're, you're manipulating people. And it was, it was a deciding moment in our relationship because if he would have said, defended himself and said no, then he and I wouldn't have walked together because we would have, we would have done this. We did this anyway, but we would have done it in a, in a whole other way. He said, you know, let me tell you what I was thinking about when I was doing this. And, and through the years, I realized that the phrase is, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our motives. And Mike shared with me his motives that were under his actions. And he was, I was trespassing in his world. But I thought he was trespassing in mine. But when we talked about it, we came out of a place and I said, I like this guy. You know, because of that. Trespass is an interesting word. All right. Finishing well. It is the Father and his kingdom. Following Jesus is in the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's walking in love. There's one kingdom law. Love one another the way I've loved you. So it, it, with all that being true, what does finishing well look like? First thing is finishing well, I think, is going to look like this. We will become human as God intended. When I heard that phrase, I thought, that makes sense. Human as God intended. Um, if you look at Matthew 25 and, and there's, he talks about the judgment and he has goats on one side and sheep on the other and the thing that he judged them by was were you human? Did you take care of your neighbor? Did you, did you love people? Did you, did you meet need? Those are all human things, you know? He never once said did you pray for people and everybody fell down? As a matter of fact, over in Matthew 7, he says it's very possible that God could use you. And then when it comes time, he says, I, I never knew you. Never substitute being used with God with being intimate with God and being approved of God because God used Nebuchadnezzar in Balaam's ass. <laughs> and neither one of those were in intimate relationship with God. So that's free. I just throw that out there. But um, if our view of heaven doesn't include our humanity it's the wrong view because remember there's a god man on the throne right now so all the things that he's we are we are born in this world inhuman jesus and the holy spirit are the people who make us human and god wants us to be human the way he and and, and, and the problem with this is that you can't fake love for long you know I can fake religious stuff, but you can't fake human love. Second thing is, finishing well um, 
is about having real and life-giving relationships with one another. Real and life-giving relationships with one another. Half the joy, maybe two-thirds of the joy of us getting together is that the relationships that we have. And uh, one of the things that I've, I appreciate, and I don't think we ever really talked about, was Paul and Robert's relationship through these years. Your faithfulness, the fact that, that you, it's like you savor your history together. That's priceless. That is priceless. If you two hadn't had that kind of thing in your relationship, none of us would be here together. And, and I appreciate that. I think that's gold. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, how many knockdown, drag out fights you had to get there. But I know that, that when you hear Paul speak and he talks about Robert and Sue, something, you know, there's something sweet about that. That's, that's precious. And I appreciate you guys for that. Um, real and life-giving relationships is where you're not afraid to be interdependent. The third thing, finishing well is prepared and presented as a bride to the Messiah. Prepared and presented as a bride to the Messiah. And I think the core of this is learning to walk with a jealous God. You know, I was, I, I was struggling one night and I, and I said, Lord, it just, and I'm struggling. And, and, uh, and he said, well, the real issue here." It's that I want you all to myself. And then you think, do I want God to have me all to himself? Yeah, I really do. God is a jealous God. He is jealous for me. And, and he won't stop. You know, he just, he keeps going after us. The fourth thing is, and the last thing is, finishing well is that we are ready for the coming of God. And one of the songs says, uses that phrase in Revelation, <clears throat> who was, who is, and who is to come. The thing that's interesting about that is typically, if you're going to talk in that tense, you would say, who was, who is, who will be. But that's not what the Holy Spirit said. He said he was, and he is, and he is to come. Because there's a lot of talk about the coming of Jesus, but nobody really talks about the coming of God. After Jesus' enemies are under his feet and he turns the kingdom back over to his father, father is moving corporate from heaven to earth. And he's going to be living here on earth. And the temple is going to be us. We are his temple and he's going to be our dwelling place. The coming of God is... is it's revolutionary. When I, when I saw this a couple years ago, I just exploded. I mean, I started crying because I grew up in the, the age of the atomic bomb. And every single movie or thought about the future it had in it, it you know, everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. And for the first time, I had hope that, wow, God is actually going to redeem the earth. He's going to come and he's going to live with us. It's pretty exciting. We're going to become his temple He's going to become our dwelling place. Guys, I really appreciate um, who we are. Um, I, I see the roots going down and I see the, the generations. Um, 
I see correct course corrections. Uh, years ago, for some of us, there was a sense that there was a hierarchy and you were like two down and four over and, you know. And what I feel now is just this, this, this thing going back and forth. Last night, watching people at a table, you know, guys that are, you know, 14 and guys that are 40 and they're interacting and relating and this is special. And I think this blesses the socks off of God. Thank you, guys.